Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 162. I uh, got some really good topics back. We got uh, Jay back, and I've got cats meowing in the background because we just moved and uh, they're freaking out, so I apologize for that. But let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I'm uh, Sarizel. I am a member of the uh, PC Master uh, race, and I am currently uh, amongst the uh, two week summer process of uh, tributing to Lord Gaben. Yes, we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, Bait, you're up. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Bait, and I thought I lived in the Sunshine State, but apparently I live in fucking Washington. Easy. jeez. <laughs> oh, All right. Jay, you're up. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jason, and uh, I'm also one of the purveyors of the Biomass Media Empire, uh, occasional podcast host, and world traveler. And uh, for show 162, the only thing I can bring to the table on that one is that's the official number of regular season baseball games in a major league baseball season 162 Ooh, that's a good one awesome and uh, i'm Pokey Draymond. i obviously help host the show i write for the blog sometimes and like i said before we just moved so i have cats that are freaking out and internet that's a little unstable so if i drop out i do apologize for that but we do have some good stuff to talk about so let's go into kind of our movies and entertainment segment uh, this is one we've actually discussed a bit in the past. Uh, Star Trek Discovery is a new show coming to CBS on September 24th. Uh, this is one you're probably pretty excited for, right, Zell? Yeah. Um, so the the big news is that, you know, it's gotten delayed a bunch of times. It was originally going to be coming out in, like, January, and then they said, well, it's going to be in, the, in May, and then they're like, well, maybe not. It's going to be in the fall. And now they're saying September 24th, specifically. So, um, you know, we'll see. And this one's going to be tied to their CBS All Access, right? You have to actually pay a separate fee for this one? In the United States. So um, the way this works oh. is they're going to uh, put the premiere on CBS, on TV. And then for the rest of the series, you have to watch it on CBS All Access, which is $6 a month, I think. Um, might be 7 Uh But in 168 other countries, it'll be on Netflix. <laughs> Do you do you think it'll it'll still do well here because it is Star Trek and you know I mean Trekkies? But do you think it's going to cause any issues if it is kind of buying that uh, all access? Because I imagine not a lot of people pay for that currently. I, I'm sure that a lot of people won't pay for it, and that it will be uh, you know in the U.S. a lot of people won't watch it because of that, or at least will watch it later, maybe get you know a month of service near the end of its its run and just binge it. You know you could probably do that as well. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is it's like because they're putting it on this particular niche distribution platform, you know, Nielsen ratings aren't really going to apply here. So it's actually probably got better chances of not getting canceled because it's, you know, got this weird distribution method that makes it kind of ineligible to compare with other other shows. Um, but, you know, I'm sure they'll get some idea from Netflix how well uh, it's, it does there and not everywhere else. Do you think you'll pick it up and watch it? It's Star Trek. I will. I'm, okay. I, I, I will, just, I will subscribe I just, to the service. You know. I will subscribe to the service just to watch this one TV show. I don't care. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I am kind of curious to see how well it will do. Um, since, like I said, I, I imagine not a lot of people uh, subscribe to the CBS All Access um, unless they're there for something specific. So we'll see how well this one does. I'm, I'm looking forward to to see if it actually does well, since it does have a weird distribution compared to the rest of the world, just being on Netflix, you know? So what do you get on CBS All Access? Do you just get access to CBS's shows, or...? Yeah, I mean, 
they've got their their entire backlog of shows i think are on there or at least a significant percentage of their backlog of shows so you can watch you know all of ncis and big bang theory and this and that and other shows that they've got um and then they have i believe one other tv show and i don't remember what it is that is an exclusive to cbs all access and and star trek will be the second exclusive show to that service and it looks like this is kind of a Hulu style where you pay six bucks a month and that's, it, it still has commercials, limited commercials, but there are commercials. And then there's a, a higher tier, which is commercial free that you can pay for. So keep that in mind when you uh, are signing up for this, if you want to give it a shot. Good to know. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I, that's largely why I don't get Hulu. I'm like, if I'm paying for it, I don't feel like I need to watch commercials to also pay for it. You know, it's, it's a little frustrating, but you know, well, I mean, the thing is, and this is this is a discussion I do hear about a lot, but if you think about it, it, the question is what are you paying for? Because, you know, you pay for cable service, and you get that that is the uh, service to deliver the content to you, and then the commercials are what's paying for the content. And in very much in the same way, Hulu, you you subscribe to get access to the to the, to the service, and then the commercials pay for the content. Um, so I, I think there's some fairness to that. Obviously, Netflix makes enough money. They're one of the largest companies doing this out there um, that they can just absorb all that cost, um, you know, internally. Um, but that's I mean, it's not it's not all that surprising. We're, we're all going to leave cable services and switch to just having 10 different, you know, subscription services for different sets of channels and end up paying pretty much the same and still watching commercials. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's, I, I think you're close to the mark, but really Apple TV is all that is, is it's really all the different apps that you have. And it's just, a, it's like a single, like almost like single socket login for all of them. You just do it through Apple and that works actually pretty well, to be honest with you. It's, but, you it is but, cheaper. but you do have to pay for each one. Mm, yeah, but you're paying through Apple and so you're negotiating single price. So it, it really, it it's effect, it's effectively a lot less than cable. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, I mean it's just you you look at like an all cable package and you compare it to you know I've got maybe three or four streaming services that I use and it's it's not even close. It's like a quarter of the price of I mean, a cable package, which I would probably get less content on of the stuff I'd actually want to watch. You know, on top of my internet package, uh, having cable TV adds maybe twenty bucks, um, and that's for HD with their box and everything. And that's, that's Comcast. Not too bad. That's, that's not, not even well. a budget. That's not even like a budget carrier. Yeah, but then you have to use Comcast. It's all right. Um, I use their streaming app actually for most of it. I, I really don't use the actual Comcast box. I, I it's it, they're it, they have a nice streaming platform, and I end up using that. The, like the the live TV, I maybe use it like for for New Year's Eve or like if there's like a tornado warning and I want to you know see what's going on with that. Sometimes I'll turn on. A, you know the weather channel or whatever that's it otherwise i use the streaming app so i just it, it works pretty much like hulu and netflix but it's it's comcast and it has all the current stuff new year's eve oh for the okay yeah, yeah you gotta watch the ball drop come on no it's absolutely stupid all right whatever yeah no i, I like i like the appetizer no, i'm actually kind of curious um uh how long until we start getting charged for bandwidth from our cable provider instead since i think the sale of you know cable TV is, is less than if they'll just try to get in and get their profits out of, you know, you may be paying for your streaming service from someone else, but you're basically paying for data um, through the cable company. Because right now it's, you already it's, are. not really, it's not really enforced, but they could start putting harsh limits um, on it. Comcast already has. 
Um, Cox I'm, sort of does, but they've, they've told us, like, yeah, we don't really enforce it, but we could. So they're, I, they're I starting to. They are starting yeah. to enforce it where um, they, they made it a, I think it's a terabyte a month limit for most, uh, most users. Um, and then there's, like, you can pay either, I think it's, like, five dollars or ten dollars for an extra bucket of gigabytes after that or you can pay like 30 bucks a month more for unlimited yeah and Com- comcast already doing that here they started in another region they kind of they have six different regions and they kind of sp- they do implement di- things at different times in different places um but comcast is already moving that way yeah interesting didn't know that Alrighty, so another big one that popped up in this section in the last couple of days. So, uh, as all of you are probably well aware, they're working on another uh, Star Wars side story movie. This is kind of along the lines of Rogue One, where it's not one of the main uh, numbered titles, but it is, you know, canon and part of the universe. And this one's going to be kind of a Han Solo uh, origin story. So, people are pretty excited for this one. However, it seems that the directors, which is Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, uh, left the project recently due to creative differences. So, uh, they were kind of looking for a new director, and I guess they settled on Ron Howard, uh, who is obviously you know a very well-known name in, in the industry. So Ron Howard will now be uh, you know finishing up the directing of, of the Han Solo film. So I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Do you think that's gonna that's gonna go well for the film? Yeah, I, I think it will. Um, Ron Howard he brings a lot of chops to the uh, you know, to the movie making piece of it. Uh, phenomenal director and producer he's got a pretty deep deep roster uh recommend you check it out on imdb if you're not familiar with ron howard uh it probably has done a lot of movies that you and your parents have seen uh frankly so from that from that angle i think it's pretty good uh he's director producer writer uh done done a little bit at all my understanding is that he's leading a a pretty hefty set of reshoots as well and a lot of this stemmed from a lot of, uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but disgruntled people on the set basically voicing their concerns to uh, to Disney about the direction of the film, which, by the way, never, like, if he gets to that level, it usually never goes well for anybody involved. Uh, but reportedly, the, the two the two guys that were on the out, they had a very uh, a different take on how the Han Solo movie should go uh, in terms of it was a, a bit more of a, uh, almost a com like an action comedy. Uh, I think they, I think they referenced like, uh, it, it is somewhat attributed to Alden, uh, Ehrenreich, the guy who's actually, uh, poked to play, uh, Han Solo that he, he, there was an Ace Ventura vibe to uh, what was going on on the movie set and not in a good way. Uh, so I, I don't know, but when the head of, you know, the Disney studios that are in charge of all things, star Wars come down and basically, you know, has a black helicopter come and snatch you off the, the set and then replace you with Ron Howard. That usually tells you that there's something fairly significant going on there that they've got to fix. Yeah, I saw the Ace Ventura reference as well and kind of cringed at the thought of what that might actually be like. And I can imagine that if, you know, you're working on this film, you're probably a big Star Wars fan. At least from my personal perspective, that's not at all the direction I would take um, a Han Solo film. I mean, it's... He's a he's a funny character, but I wouldn't say that his origin would necessarily be a comedy. Uh, I think that's a really poor direction to take it. So, um, you know, like you said, Ron Howard has a, a very vast background. I mean, he did uh, Angels and Demons, uh, Inferno, Da Vinci Code, those films, which were all really really good. There's lots of recent stuff that they, that he's done that's that's absolutely fantastic. So, and you know, 
if you don't aren't familiar with his films, you'd probably look up the films and realize you are actually quite familiar because there's a lot of big names out there that he worked on, and they're all all really top notch stuff. The the one thing I would kind of offer about this is, uh, I, as much as I'm a I'm a huge fan of most pretty much all things Star Wars, much in the way that Zell is with Star Trek, uh, this the idea of doing a a Han Solo kind of prequel origin story movie. That was fraught with danger to start with because they're going to introduce like a lot of, uh, you, you know, I mean, one of the most iconic and significant characters in, in pop in like, you know, global pop culture, you know, in the last probably 35 or 40 years in and, and no matter how good uh, that the actor is that they've got to play Han Solo, he's not going to be Harrison Ford as Han Solo. So that they're really kind of running a thin line on that one. And if you try to almost uh, not. How, how to describe this. So if you try too hard to basically do exactly what Han Solo or correction, uh, Harrison Ford did, it may or may not work out well. I would offer uh, when uh, Superman returns, that was actually a pretty decent movie. And if anybody ever channeled Christopher Reeve ever, uh, the dude that played him, Brandon Routh was to a T physically voice sounded like him all, all the same mannerisms it was, it was a little eerie, in fact. Uh, it was a credit to his ability, ability, maybe not so much as an actor, but to mimic Christopher Reeve's portrayal of the role of Superman. Uh, you could do that, but it's really, really hard to capture. And uh, and even then, ultimately, it, it becomes difficult. So I, I think they could have picked some other things to work on. I think the Rogue One model with using things kind of on the margins or on, on sort of the periphery of the, the normal Star Wars universe or finding those two or three threads in there and then scoop, you know, scooping that out to flesh out a story that could have worked out really well. Um, they are, I think they're also bringing in like a young Lando Calrissian in here. Uh, and I believe, it's, I believe it's the guy who played Creed uh, that's going to be doing that. So I, I think there's some potential there. They got some good, you know, some good people, you know, Woody Harrelson is apparently Han Solo's, Solo's mentor and all this kind of good stuff. But that is a dangerous route to take in terms of a movie to, to choose uh, to do. We, we probably did not need a Han Solo movie. They probably could have picked some other things and they would have been okay. Yeah, I would say that's a good example of one that could go really well or really badly, depending on how well they, they portray the character and, and show, you know, is it makes sense for, for what we're so very used to. I mean, we've had Han Solo for you know, generations at this point. You kind of know what to expect. And if this differs in a way that feels wrong um it's it's going to come off as feeling very uh, awkward and I, I do hope they can actually land it but you're right it's a pretty risky a risky move to do something like this and this one i was actually surprised i was looking around i thought that they were going to be doing um a film every year kind of one once in every december but all the sources i'm seeing are actually putting this one's being in uh, uh mid to late may in 2018 opposed to uh you know, this December in 2017. So I'm not sure if that has anything to do with this director shift and having to reshoot stuff, or if that was just a plan to give them some more time, but it looks like that it might be uh, about a year off still, maybe a little bit less, but uh, you know, we, we've still got some time and, and hopefully, you know, when they, they have the time to go back and reshoot this stuff, they can, you know, bring the film up to the level of quality that, you know, everyone involved is expecting. So, I mean, it's, it's tough to go in and go, Hey, we're going to you know, ask the producers and, and put a new guy in there to fix the mess they made. But, you know, it, it's, it's better when you see a company do that because they're willing to just, you know, make that happen rather than just push it out as is. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I still think it'll be a pretty good flick, um, but we'll see how, you know, all the little details pan out uh, over time.
No, I think I think you're I think you're on onto it. Uh, I, I'm I'm interested to see it. Don't get me wrong. I, I think uh, I would probably see this even if I knew walking in was going to be a grease fire, but and I'd have to give it a shot. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of game to see what Ron Howard can do with it. And, and I do have to give some credit for the fact that if people on the set really were concerned about it to that extent, um, that means that one, they're they're concerned about not looking like fools. And two, hopefully, you know, this may be a, a bit of a bridge, but uh, you, you kind of hope that they uh, are wanting to pay some level of homage to the to the actual spirit of, you know, kind of the Star Wars movies that uh, that sort of spawned all of this stuff. So I'll take it as, as a hopeful good sign, although in reality, it's probably going to be hot garbage. All right. Sounds good. So uh, one thing that, that Zelda mentioned earlier is that uh, so recently the summer Steam sale started. And, and Steam usually holds two major sales every year, one summer, one in winter. Uh, winter is usually the bigger one, but there is some really good stuff going on with the summer Sum- one. Summer's, so. summer's usually the biggest. Really? You yes. think? Yes. You think? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. The, sum- the summer sale was the, f- the first and foremost one. Um, I think they probably started it because summer's kind of the downtime for gaming. Um, but, uh, then they added the winter one and then, uh, they do like miniature sales in the spring and fall, um, as well. They're just not anywhere near as big as the summer and winter ones. And, and summer's the big one. Okay. Fair enough. Um, this one started a couple days ago. It started on uh, June 22nd. It runs through, uh, July 5th. So you will have plenty of time to get there. Um, they no longer do any of the, they used to do like flash sales and stuff during it where certain things would be lower price than they were for the rest of the sale. And so you used to, there used to be a little bit more work to get the best price on things throughout the sale. They got rid of that completely. So um, the sales there now are the same sales that will be there uh, through July 5th. Um, I already spent a ton of money um, actually on stuff that wasn't on sale. Uh, funny enough, there were a couple things I was waiting to see if went on sale. Um, I was kind of holding off to buy on and they did not go on sale. So I bought them anyways. Um, one of those would be the Star Trek bridge crew game, which I did buy and inst- uh, I have not installed it yet. Cause I have to find some hard drive space. Um, but I should be able to try that out pretty soon. Um, the other one that I bought that wasn't on sale was my, uh, Blu-ray player software, which is like a hundred bucks. <laughs> I was really hoping that was on sale and it's not. Um, let's see. Uh, I bought, uh, uh super hot and the vr super hot game because there was a bundle for that and i was curious to try it so um i picked that up um i picked up uh hellion which i mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago um it's 20 percent off right now and uh, they have a new release that came out that added female characters and a tutorial um that's kind of like it's like a star citizen light type game um with a little bit of uh hellion okay it's got a little bit of a, um, uh, it's kind of a survival game too. It's obviously it's early access because all survival games are early access. They always are forever. That's how they work. Um, but uh, it, you know, it's it's got spaceships. You can get in and out of your spaceships. It's uh, you can build your own space stations. It looks cool. I bought it. Yeah, that one actually looked pretty badass because it's it, like you said, it's a survival game, but it, it actually takes into account like actual orbital physics. You're basically you wake up out of a, cry, a cryopod orbiting a gas giant, and so you have to you know manage your air supply, and you basically take you know uh, trips out into space to gather resources. You can actually tether uh, 
other space stations and kind of drag them back to yours and kind of build your space uh, your space station up. And it, it actually looks really cool. I'd, I'd like to see you get some some gameplay of that one. That'd be pretty fun. Same with Super Hot. Uh, I played the original Super Hot. Really, really unique type of game. It's a I describe it as a puzzle shooter. Um, and when I saw they did a VR version, I was like, that's actually a really really good game for VR. Very unique, um, very interesting. It, it works well. It works better um, for a quote-unquote shooter than your typical shooter does just because of the puzzle nature behind it. But uh, I, I'd, I'd like you to get some, some gameplay of that one too. I'd be curious to see your thoughts on it. Yeah, and they had a you know they had a de- they had a deal on both, and they had a deal on the bundle for both that was even better. So I, I just picked them up, picked them both up, and I'll I'll see if I can find some time to give them a try. And it looks like uh, if you do buy an HTC Vive, it is fifty dollars off uh, during the sale, and you do get the Bridge Crew with it. So Bridge Crew is not really on on sale per se, but it will come with uh, the Vive headset if you decide to pick it up. That's not the uh, the biggest deal though on the Vive. Nah, I mean. Nah. My my vibe was a lot cheaper than that on Black Friday. Um mm-hmm. although I guess as a note is they've replaced almost every part of the original Vive um in the newer boxes. So they have, you know, they cut the headset's actually a little lighter. They changed out the cable, they changed out the beacons. Um there's there's actually a lot of really minute differences and so even though they haven't called it a second version, um you know they probably part of the reason i was able to get mine so cheap was it was they were trying to get rid of stock of the the original run yeah it's pretty good stuff and, and honestly the sale is is pretty solid i'm looking through the top seller list right now and, and most of this list is like 30 50 percent off you got gta 5 dishonor 2 which are three near automata oh i picked up Watch dogs too because that's 50 percent off <sighs> damn it have you played it yet no let me know how it is all right. Well, I'm. I want to finish Watch Dogs one before I play Watch Dogs two, and I I haven't finished like worked on Watch Dogs one in like a couple of years. So I figure sometime before I'm forty, I might uh, I might play Watch Dogs two. So uh, they also have Prey, which is thirty three percent off. So that's forty bucks. That's what I'm currently playing for Dungeon Crawl. Really fantastic. And the Stardew Valley is also forty percent off uh, at nine dollars total price. So that's the one that Bait was playing. And I think you were you were considering doing some gameplay recording of that one too, weren't you, Bait? Uh, yeah, if if I can get my audio situation worked out, then yeah, we will be playing Stardew Valley uh, and probably Stellaris. Uh, if you haven't picked up Stardew Valley by now, you should drop whatever you're doing, stop listening to the podcast, and go get Stardew Valley for ten dollars. You guys have that game such is low amazing. No, it's, yeah, come are on, you dude. serious, dude? That game is amazing. Uh, okay, explain to me what it's amazing about. It's just it's relaxing. The the feel is good, dude. It's just it's just a fun game. It's, it's you good. you and I have dramatically different <laughs> concepts of fun. That game is that game is fun. Mad fun. So go go buy their game. I want you to live stream Stardew Valley. Okay. I, I, I want to see a Twitch stream of you doing Stardew Valley. I'll do it. Can, we'll make it happen. I can, okay. I can get them set up. Fastest way I know to put my ass to sleep. <laughs> uh, Zell, I have to ask: Do you have a Steam controller? He's eating. He's yeah, eating he's something. Eating. He's, he's chewing. Okay. Uh, no, no, I, I said I don't. I don't know if that didn't come through. It, 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 did, it, it didn't did come not. through. It was just awkward silence, and I was like, oh, I'll guess not. No, um, I, I do not have one. I have, uh, I have two uh, Xbox 360 controllers, though. Gotcha. I only ask yes. because the, the Steam controller is thirty five bucks. It's thirty percent off. And I, I I've been looking at it because people have really good things to say about it once you get it kind of configured the way you like. Um, 
and I, I do kind of want to see how well it works because it is pretty unique. So I might actually bite the bullet and just get one since it's on sale. But I was curious if you had had any experience or not. A, f- a friend of mine has one. I, I mean, I've seen the thing. I've I've never tried to play a game on it. Does he like it? I I don't remember. Okay, I, I, I just it's it's very strange because it, it kind of has the you know the benefits of both you know a controller and a, and a mouse and keyboard. So I'm kind of curious well, how well that goes. But I'll, I'll let you know if I pick it up or not. But that that is also on sale for thirty bucks. But yeah, all kinds of stuff. Um, I just named off a few of them. But yeah, some the summer sale is going really good deals from the looks of it. So uh, be sure to check it out. Now I know that Star Citizen uh, is releasing more expensive shit for people to buy uh so what's new with that cell with this yes, motorcycle Zell. or something tell us tell us exactly how much you had to go to the bank for for your third mortgage um so i did i did buy this one um it's a th- I it's, it. of course he did it's a freaking space motorcycle it's a space motorcycle man it's a it's a, like a land speeder thing that's really cool um there there's a video that'll be in the show notes for it it looks really neat uh, and it's only $35, which in Star Citizen terms is really cheap. There you go, guys. You can, you can, you can buy Space Pixels for more money than you can buy an entire game on the Steam sale right now. Hashtag triggered. Oh, don't get started with me. Um, but just, just, just you, you watch the video, right, Pokey? Oh, yeah. No, I saw. I usually watch most of their stuff. They, they put together some really good-looking stuff, but I just I can't. I can't. It looks so cool. <laughs> It's yeah, so it, cool. Well, lots of stuff looks cool, and I still don't buy it because it's usually a bunch of shit. Uh, but anyways, another news for Star Citizen. Uh, there is a bit of drama that kind of popped up. Uh, some interesting people were digging around in, in um, banking documents and, and the sort. And what the initial impression was was that Star Citizen had needed to take a loan out for $150 million because I guess they needed money You know, after – how much have they raised so far, Zell? Well, it's the 150 million is what they've made from players. Players have people oh, have okay. given them 150 million. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not sure the exact. I don't even know if the exact amount of this loan is disclosed anywhere. Um, but the the point being that that got everyone up in drama is that the the collateral for the loan is effectively the company and its stuff. And so the article that that came out is, you know, Star Citizen now belongs to the bank, um, which is a very over-dramatized definition of, you know, what could be, you know, a fundamentally basic corporate money shuffling operation. And that's what uh, Cloud Imperium has said it is. Um, they've said that they, they, like, there's some tax rebate they get at tax time, um, and uh, they're they're getting it basically getting an advance on the rebate for now because having to convert money from the other currencies that they get and transfer it between countries to pay for these taxes now that they're getting back later um, is less efficient than just getting a loan. Um, obviously, Derek Smart, the you know Internet's resident, uh, you know. Uh, alarmist regarding all things star citizen has said that that's completely nonsense and this and that but he's been saying everything about star citizens nonsense since forever and is basically yeah. it's he's basically one I'm of pre- cri- i'm pretty sure that people thought paul revere was on crack too well i mean <laughs> so derek smart has basically had like this rivalry with with chris roberts since like 
the 80s or something when they were making the very early game space simulator games that they are and he's he he is making a competing um project and so he has a lot of incentive to just throw trash at it and so there's a likelihood that a lot of this drama was was kind of propped up by that um behavior but you know whatever hey did you buy his game too i did not Zell does not cheat on his obsessions. Oh my god. Uh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, so yeah, that's, again, more interesting Star Citizen stuff. They're always interesting on the random shit that they do, but I, I don't know how they need a loan after raising that much money, but I guess that's well, what Scope Creep does. The the point that they're... the, the What they're saying is that you know most of the money they've gotten is in uh, U.S. currency or euros. And, um, you know, this tax bill that they're getting paid back anyways is in uh, British pounds. And so between the taxes of moving money into the country and the loss, you know, of converting it from dollars or euros to pounds, combined it's not worth it for them to transfer the money there when they can just take a loan since they're going to get the money back anyways. That's that's you. what they're saying. I gotcha. That's what and, they're saying. and I, you know, this is something that like, as an example, I guess Apple has like $200 billion overseas. They don't want to bring back to the U S because they would have to pay taxes on it. Um, and so they actually have loans. Apple has loans that it takes out in the U S um, you know, and it's not that they don't have the money. It's that they don't want to, they don't want to pay the penalty of bringing the money here. And it, it's that sort of thing. Uh, allegedly allegedly all right so there you go there's your update for for star citizen and uh yeah um and uh they're still pushing for 3.0 to be out in the uh uh ptu for everyone to try in like about a month isn't everything the ptu at this point well, that's that's the funny thing is it's like the game is an alpha, but they also have a test server, and you have to things have to go into the test server before they make it to the actual alpha server. That you know. So they have a test server for their test server. I got gotcha. you. Okay, makes yes. perfect sense. That's yes. for, okay. I got it. I guess that's what you do when you're you know hocked up on hookers and blow from all that money you raise to Kickstarter. Uh, anyways, so uh, in other news, Battleborn, uh, this is the uh, MOBA-style game that, uh, that uh, Gearbox came up with. Didn't do so well. Usually gets compared to Overwatch, even though they're actually fairly different games. Uh, it's kind of entering its last breath here. It's gone free-to-play for the PvP. Uh, don't bother buying it at this point because the PvE is shit. It's really bad. Don't don't worry about it. So if you're interested in playing Battleborn, just play for free on PvP. Uh, they have added some new maps and modes. That's a three v three instead of the usual uh, shit. Was it five or six? I forget. But it's a smaller game mode, uh, and all that is free. So if you want to go pick up uh, Battleborn, that is free to play now. Uh, also, Titanfall 2, um, continuing with their, their kind of string of, of free DLC, uh, two new maps. One is just kind of normal mode, the other one is for the pilot-only mode. Uh, that is coming out June 27th, you know, probably I, be at the same time as this episode. I don't think this is a new map. Really? I am pretty sure that this is the... Um, I think this is the exact same map that they released uh, for the original Titanfall as a DLC pack. Hmm. Um I'm fairly confident it's a it's a great map. I love it, but you know, I, I don't think it's new. No, well, it's free at the very least, so it's it's more content, which is nice. 
I have to say that I, I don't play Titanfall 2. My brother does. Um, I do watch him play quite a bit because the game is is very fun to watch. I know I wouldn't be very good at it, but it's fun to watch. And I have to say I do appreciate the uh, the DLC model they use, which is pretty much everything is free and they just sell cosmetics and other random stuff that doesn't really affect the gameplay. It doesn't segment the player base. Uh, much respect for, for the model they've been using. It's a real shame that even though the game got such great reviews, it just didn't sell very well because I think it came out around the same time as freaking infinite warfare so you know it just got buried which you know is unfortunate because it is a pretty good game so for our next bit i'm going to hand this over to uh bait who is taking on a second worker so he can buy the 800 version of assassin's creed origins is that right are you talking <laughs> yeah uh, yeah yeah so um assassin's creed origins a game i'm looking forward to uh coming out if i can get past the kotaku ad uh, it's coming out October, and uh, as Pokey said, there is, it, as with all games, there are different tiers of, of uh, game that you can get. Uh, there's, you know, the deluxe pack and the origins pack and the gold pack and the fuck me, give me more money pack. Um, all kinds of fun packs. Uh, but this, oh, this is good. It's, uh, it's called the, uh, the Dawn of the Creed Legendary Collector's Edition. Uh, it's going to be sold exclusively through Ubisoft, so you're not going to walk into GameStop or Target and be like, there's my $800 pack, uh, so you have to go through them. And as of right now, you get a big-ass statue, uh, a resin statue, um, some certificate of authenticity, because they're only doing 999 so a lot of money that they stand to make. Uh, you get another resin amulet thing two steelbooks that i assume are going to have artwork and those little lithograph uh things that are completely dumb uh and then you get the gold edition of the game so you get the the base game the digital deluxe pack and the season pass um like an art book or something a soundtrack and a hand-drawn world map and like an art card so uh, you're 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 paying for statue basically a resin set uh, the one of the other box sets does have a statue, but it's not resin. I don't know what the difference is. The statue takes up space. Uh, so if you have as much money as Zell has, uh, you should, I guess, spend eight hundred dollars on this thing, even though it's stupidly overpriced. I, for eight hundred dollars, that thing should be like solid gold, man. Uh, it's yeah. in a gold box, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's not the same. Yeah, I think you're you're right, Bait. It's it's. I mean, you're looking at it. You got you know, the statue. You got the okay. It's a certificate of, of authenticity. Whatever. You know, the amulet, cool. Steelbooks, cool. Lithographs that are probably actually signed by the uh, developers, which is kind of cool. But it's an eight hundred dollars statue. Like, come on. Like, it's and it's. I'm sure it's a really good quality statue. I'm sure it's it's oh, big. Yeah, yeah. It's twenty eight point seven inches, but it's an eight hundred dollar game statue. No. 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 <laughs> yeah. Packs like these, in, in my opinion, I, I guess anything past, like, I don't know, maybe a deluxe pack or something where it's like, okay, you get the game and the season pass and an equipment pack or something that has, like, a sword and a shield. I That's fine, I think. But when you get start getting into, you know, stuff like a staff, three-foot-tall statue and a freaking... Certificate of authenticity. Who cares if it's authentic? 
with that said, though, if you'd like to purchase one, um, I will be making replicas, and you can send all your money to uh, to me. And we'll send those on the Bymaster. Prank caller. Prank caller. Uh, please, that uh, whoever this is is on Skype. He absolutely does not represent the uh, Biomass Media Empire. Just saying. <laughs> I think we've yeah, been hacked. It's the Russians. Um, but yeah, you know, stuff like this, I think, is it's not my thing, but it, it's somebody's thing. I just, I don't know. What makes you think eight hundred dollars, guys? It's a great idea. Yeah, and I mean, I would expect a lot. Hey, I mean, you ever met a guy named Denny Fleetfoot? Yeah, it's true. Oh yeah. If, if, there, CC... there, if there's people with money that will buy anything, yeah. whether <laughs> it exists in, in reality or not. Oh, do, you guys, <laughs> do you guys remember that like Thanatos model for Eve that was like tw- I think it was like twenty five hundred dollars, and it like used magnetic magnets yep. to like levitate above your table. Oh yep. yeah, dude, that thing was cool as mess. It looks like some shit you would buy at Sharper Image, though. I mean, this come is, on. This is, this is the sort of thing that this is catered to. Those people. The people who buy $2,500 spaceship models that hover over your table. But it hovers. This just sits here and collects dust. Hey, Bate, hey, check this out. What's up? Hey, Zell, would you say you spent enough to buy a small, medium, or large car on Star Citizen. Uh, none of the above. You sure? What about a, yeah. sh- what about a shitty used car? Like 200,000 miles from 2001. Could could you pay rent for one month with what you've spent on Star Citizen? Yes. <laughs> How many spaceships do you own that you can walk out and put your little hands on? One. No. No? <laughs> <I got> that. <laughs> it's all ones and zeros, man. Like, Think about it. <laughs> That's how much money you're paying for this. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I think the most I've ever spent on a collector's edition was for Final Fantasy 15. Keep in mind, I had waited for this game for 10 years because it took that long to make it. Um, hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. I, what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be waiting that long for Star Citizen at least. Just you, FYI. Dude, <laughs> true. They'll never actually release it. They'll be like, yeah, so we're on uh, we're on version 23.0 of our test server, and uh, you know we're releasing a new um, uh, collector's edition lamp for your your or it's eighty dollars for a lamp. It's cheap in Star Citizen terms. And, and, and they'll be like, I bought it. And you could change the color of the LEDs. I know you, man. You we would buy a Star Citizen lamp in game for eighty dollars. I would not. Yeah. Okay. Mm. What if? What if it was like a motorcycle lamp? Well, I don't get why that's supposed to be appealing. He's he's got to think about it. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um. But yeah. So I mean, it's it's that's insane. I I, I don't know how many of those things will actually sell for eight hundred dollars. They'll they'll sell a couple. You know, the the really hardcore fanatics that any fleet foots of of Assassin's Creed. But you know, it's. It's it's ridiculous. It's the we're gonna throw this out there. We're gonna put like a hundred dollar statue in an eight hundred dollar pack. Sign a few you know business cards and toss them there and sell for eight hundred bucks and see who will actually pick it up. And they'll sell like three. You know, you still made bank, but you know you 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 sold you know three because you only gotta sell one if you're scamming someone. It's like you know that they're just sitting there laughing when when the first dude who buys it, they're just gonna sit there and laugh their ass off for like three minutes yeah yeah so yeah assassin's creed origins 800 bucks you can i think pre-order it right now if you want that so So, otherwise you can just go fucking pre-order the game five dollars you can do that for 
as opposed to eight hundred dollars, and you just get a cool game. Um, and just real quick on box editions in, in general, can we stop with lithographs? Like, why? Those things are stupid. Those are the things that like you you turn them and like, the the picture moves or something or something, right? Um, that's a not a hologram. That's a, I forget what it's called. No, I'm, I think a lithograph is meant to be. Uh, it's literally just like print. a yeah it's just like a printed you know thing and they're usually not even that big when they come in game boxes they're like you know an eight inch you know uh, image poster it's like an eight inch poster oh it's a poster okay never mind it's like a small yeah poster. yeah okay okay never mind i was thinking of those stupid hologram things those are dumb yeah, I mean, you used to see them uh, a lot for like animated films, and they you basically be buying a still frame from the film, and they okay, were actually okay. really high quality. But nowadays, it's like I, I guess you know it's cool unless you're like framing it and putting it on your wall. It, it's probably going to collect dust in your drawer. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of them either. But you know, who knows? Someone might find appeal in it out there. So you know, and I would assume you're able to wear this amulet. <sighs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure the cosplayers <laughs> will be going wild. Oh my god. Oh, that's who's going to buy this shit. Cosplayers. Oh, those poor people. All right. That's, that's that. That's <laughs> Sounds good. Buy the game in uh, October. Yeah, no, it looks it looks pretty good. Um, I got to catch up on all of those, the story and stuff for Assassin's Creed, but this one looks pretty solid. I'll sum it right uh, for you right now. Fucking aliens, dude. Aliens. So many aliens. aliens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so moving along here. Uh, one thing that we've been putting off for several weeks, mostly because of E3 and just massive amount of news coming out of that one uh, is I did want to talk a bit about some more of the, the Project Nova update. And this is stuff that was included in kind of my compilation post over on Biomass, which was based off of stuff that Rattati had uh, talked about on the forums. CCP Rattati had talked about on the forums and in the uh, Dust514 Veterans Discord channel. So I did want to talk a bit about this uh, and kind of get some discussion and thoughts going on. And so one thing that is going to be changing um, quite a bit from what players are used to when they were playing Dust is the risk-reward mechanics for uh, Project Nova. So I'll preface it again by saying, again, this is all kind of up for, you know, up for, uh, up for grabs. It might change. It could be, you know, modified. It could be totally different. But this is just what we know so far. Um, so what you were familiar with in Dust is you go in, you make your fitting, you buy... 30 of all the modules, the suits, everything, and you go into battle, and then when you die, you consume one of those fittings, and those items would be deducted from your inventory. Uh, this is pretty core to the game. You know, it was a, it was a big part of it is that you kind of keep buying stuff as you die, you lose it, that sort of thing. So the way that it's going to work, or at least it's planned to work in Nova, and this is primarily because Rotati felt that the loss mechanic, particularly for new players, discouraged, as he put, typical FPS play. People would play extremely loss adverse. They would, you know, snipe on the red line. They would do weird stuff that usually didn't really help the team win, but it prevented them from dying because, you know, they didn't want to lose their their suit and lose their money and that sort of thing. Um, so how it's going to work is that when you die in your suit, uh, there's no restocking or anything like that. You're simply charged an its cost of making a new one. So it's basically removing the step of having to go to the store, restock everything, you know, restock 30, whatever you did, um, and then redeploying. It just kind of automatically does that for you. So you're not going to have these piles of 
assets and materials sitting in your inventory. It's just kind of a pay-as-you-go sort of deal. Now, uh, the big difference here is that in lower-level matches, so this is probably like you know your low-level pub matches, that sort of thing, uh, you can buy insurance, which is basically... You know, I'm going to say, I'm going to purchase insurance for this amount. It will cover 100% of my losses. So when you die, you're not charged that ISK amount. You're just, the insurance takes care of it. And then at the end of the match, you get a payout for, uh, you know, whatever the mission was for. If you win, you get more. If you lose, you don't get as much. So insurance is probably pretty expensive, um, but it does, at least when you're early on, you can go in, you're guaranteed profit. It's not going to be a lot of profit, but you're guaranteed some profit because the insurance costs less than the payout of the match. Now, you can opt out of the insurance if you like. Um, Say, I feel confident that I'm not going to die much. Um, I can go in, I can do my fight. I'm not going to lose much ISK because I'm not dying very often. I get a bigger payout. Um, but there is also the risk, of course, you go in, you get your ass handed to you. Uh, you can't buy insurance once you start, right? So if you didn't buy insurance and you die, you know, 10, 20 times or whatever, you might actually lose money for that fight. So that's kind of the letting players scale how much risk they want versus how much reward they might earn. And it also kind of gives new players a chance to go in. They can play an FPS like they normally would where it's just, you know, that's your payout. Don't worry about losses. Um, but you do have that option available to you. Now, for higher level stuff, like the kind of planetary conquest equivalent, it may not be specifically planetary conquest, but the high level player driven um, battles, there is no insurance. So it's not like you can go into your your, your high end match and uh, just not experience losses. That that option doesn't exist in that type of gameplay. So that's back to the classic: when you die, it's going to cost you this much, and you know if you spend too much in the fight, you lose money. So does that does that kind of make sense to everyone so far? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, the, the kind of thing I want to stress to people is that it's not so much that your suit's a BPO and there's no loss involved. It's just that there is loss involved. They remove that extra step of having to restock, which is kind of nice. It just streamlines the whole thing. Because let's be honest, we probably all had random shit laying in our inventory, which we weren't going to use, but we didn't really have the means to sell or didn't want to sell because, you know, you had to go through a paywall to do that. Um, this just kind of says there's a flat cost to respawning uh, based off of what you're doing. So that's kind of nice. Um, but don't, don't mistake that as, you know, it's everything's a BPO. Everything is free to respawn. If you buy the insurance and, and it may be a hundred percent coverage, it might be 80, 50, whatever. There might be different options. Um, that's what gives you kind of the free respawn, but keep in mind that that has a cost associated with it. So you're not going to be making as much. So it just lets players kind of tailor how much risk they want to take on versus, hey, I'm fine with a small payout. I just want to play the game and not have to, to worry about it. So I think that's that's probably fair. Now, the other major part is what they're kind of referring to broadly as consumables. And consumables, it is the sense that a consumable is a power-up. It's something that you put in your suit. It's going to modify it. It's going to make you stronger in some way. It might be you know, something that specializes. The major one they talked about is the firmware. And the firmware we talked about when we did the progression system where you basically put it in your suit and modifies a number of things, but the, the big one is the bonuses. Um, but overall, it's it's an improvement. Now, consumables are a thing where if you use it, it's not consumed when you die. It is consumed at either the beginning or the end of the battle, basically. So let's say I've got my suits, I want to put this certain firmware in, and I deploy that suit, right? Now, 
I could go through that entire fight and never die. It still consumes that item at the end. It's a one one battle thing. I could go and die 50 times. It still only consumes one of them. So what this does is it's not a... There's no advantage necessarily to stockpiling these things because you can only really use one per fight, right? Like You want to have a supply of them. But what it does is it provides people a bonus if they if they want, right? So if they've got it through either you know, uh, the PVE mission or through grinding standing with a certain corporation to, to unlock these, these firmware, um, you know, if they purchase them. However, you get these things. Uh, even if you never die, even if you never die, you still use it if you're going to get that bonus. And this kind of helps avoid the issues we had with if you've got proto suits in dust, you didn't die very often, so while they were expensive, if you never died, you never felt the cost of using that. In this case, it kind of forces you to feel that cost regardless of what happened. So does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. I, I, w- I would offer that uh, I, I think I had a slightly different view of, of in terms of like the cost for the advantages you got from the from the original game, mostly in that you were either you either didn't have a lot of money and they and you were you hoarded this like the proto gear like the top end gear uh so you were very conservative with them or you would only use them when you absolutely had to or you were swimming in in in-game currency and you threw them away like water and there was not much of a middle ground yeah that's that's probably fair um you saw really large differences in how people use those advantages and I, i think that was largely problematic for a lot of things so just so i'm talking like these boosts for for example without kind of rehashing like the tiering discussion like let's say you had um uh evenly evenly tiered gear from either the suits weapons and whatever accoutrement you had with you uh the boost you could get like hey i i would like a 10 percent damage boost so you get like an offensive firmware upgrade or something in your suit uh and that lasts you through the match is there a discussion about the limitation on how many of these things you can stack on for a match? I assume it's probably no more than like one or two. You could probably load up for a match. Yeah. So he has only really openly discussed the um, the firmware, and the firmware is a thing that goes into your tier three suit, and there's only one slot, so you only get to use one of these um, per per suit, basically. Okay. All right. So that, so that makes sense. So you you want it? Maybe you want one that's like an offensive you know, buff of some kind or a defensive buff or, you know, something more utilitarian in nature, like, you know, like movement speed or whatever, you know, whatever you choose, that's what you snap into that single suit. Yeah. And so that's, and you're, you're going to want to use that to tailor your, your suit and kind of tweak it the way you want it to be. Um, but again, you only get one from, from what I'm reading. So it's not like you can, you know, have six of these and, and stack them on. Now, now one thing to consider that he kind of said, and, and we discussed a little bit about this with, uh, you have a formation that you bring to the battle um, where you line up, like I bring six suits and I can pick between any of these suits. I believe that how it's working is that if you stick a consumable in any of those suits, even if you don't deploy with it, it still gets consumed. So you want to be really careful about what you're what you're putting in. And I, I could be wrong. It could be if you if you spawn once with it, now it's been consumed, and, and it could go either way. But the point is, is that once it's been committed to the fight, it gets used. So um, just just keep that in mind that it's it's like one time once you use it it's it's used for the whole fight so you know if you've got firmware in six different suits um, if you deploy with all of those six suits you're going to use the firmware in all of them um, now I'm not sure if it gets auto consumed while it's inside 
the formation that you don't use it, that's unclear. But you know, once it's been committed to the fight at least once, then it is being consumed, and you're not going to get it back. No, that that makes sense, and I kind of like the idea of like you bring X number of suits of of a given type or flavor to the you know to the table, which is probably pretty accurate. Like, hey, here's here's my loadout of like three or four different suits that I want to have in the fight. And so what it sounds like you're saying is on each one of those, on each one of the, the loadouts for the suit. So let's say you have two kind of riflemen or assault suits, like a heavy weapon suits, and then you could have like a support suit, like a support player or medic suit. Each one of those loadouts would have a different firmware thing attached to them that, you, that you're paying some form of in-game currency for. And if you only use like two of the given suits during a match, the other ones are still consumed. Is that right? I'm not sure if if your entire formation is considered committed to the battle or not. So that that could go either way. I just know that if it if it gets deployed, if you actually spawn into the suit, that triggers at the very least that that consumable will be used. Okay. Yeah, no, I, that that makes sense. I mean, that's that's realistic. Like if you if you use it at all, it's gone. If you use it for 30 seconds or 30 minutes, it's gone. No, I, I I'm down with that. Yeah, and I think if people are looking for kind of a lore reason for that, I, I think that the direction they're going is that suits are kind of printed on the fly. Like when you're ready to spawn, it, it kind of constructs the suit like in that moment. Um, and so it may be, you know, hey, you're loading the firmware into the 3D printer or whatever. And so it's it's kind of got these schematics it's using. But once you're done with the fight and you leave, you're leaving that 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 programming behind and that's why you lose it so i think that's kind of the direction they're, they're going with it in terms of explaining you know why it's used now keep in mind that firmware is probably not going to be the only type of consumable and there could be other things like uh, hey you deploy a, a drone or something into the field and it's like a little turret that defends an area or whatever that could be a consumable as well it's it's kind of a i'm dropping it into the fight i know i'm not going to get it back even if it survives it's giving me an advantage that's you know, beyond what my suit normally carries. I'm not talking like uplinks and nano hives, not that sort of stuff. I'm talking like, you know, it's a turret, it's a drone. Um, God forbid it's, you know, it's a vehicle if they ever go that direction where I'm, I'm committing it to the fight once it's down on the planet or in the ship or wherever the hell this is happening. It's, it's, I get to use it for that fight, but it goes away when I'm done. And I think that actually helps kind of uh, rein in a lot of the issues we saw with, and I'll use the vehicles as an example um, where people would say, hey, vehicles must be expensive um, to balance the, you know, the advantage they offer. Um, I know Sal and I went back and forth on this one quite a bit. Uh, but then vehicle users re- respond by, well, if it's so expensive, then I can't die in the fight because I'll never be positive. And, you know, that's kind of my my role I want to play. And then, then the AV guys would say, well, if you don't, if you don't ever die, that's not really fair because then vehicles are too strong because you know you can't ever kill them. And it's a big back and forth. This kind of applies for any sort of deployable advantage that you're potentially giving yourself. However, if you go off of the model of it is a power-up, it is meant to be powerful, but you are guaranteed to lose it when the fight's over, that, you know, that kind of forces a certain context of, okay, yeah, it's allowed to be kind of strong because it is a guaranteed loss. It's, you know, you, you may not be necessarily profitable. Um, however, these consumables are, are generated, but it may not be profitable, but you're saying, I understand that this is a fixed cost that I'm going to lose by using it, but it can actually be strong when I do it. Uh, I think, uh, no, that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good roundup on it in terms of, I, I think what that mechanic is. So in terms of the risk and reward, uh, I, 
I have I've not seen anything in sort of the like the side channels where they talk about the game, the development of the game, where it describes kind of the not not really a scheme of the economy, but like what does it really mean? Like I, I assume there's going to be a, like an in-game purchasable, uh, you know, some sort of premium currency than like a normal currency that you get through uh, through gameplay. But it's I think what I'm trying to figure out is like uh, what what does that mean for normal play? Like, do you, once you purchase your suit, I think that's what you got. So what are you, what are you, what are you really risking when you go in? Is it just like the in-game money kind of like World of Tanks style or, or what? Okay. That's a good question. So uh, as we discussed, you know, ISK is used to upgrade things. Um, one of the major ones is your suit. So ISK is kind of still the currency that you're, you're playing around with. And I imagine that the, the upgrading portion of the game where you're, you're spending currency to, you know, you're spending currency along with experience to go to the next level. World of Tanks is actually a pretty good example of that because you're, you are indeed upgrading your tank when you do that um, is, is probably a good way to put it. Uh, as for premium currency, not really sure. Um, they haven't really been clear on the model they're using, if it's going to be free to play or not. So I'm not sure exactly how or if premium currency exists or how it would be used. But I do know that ISK payouts are you know, probably going to be used for the upgrade process. I imagine there's probably other sinks for it as well, um, maybe on the corporate or alliance level um, in terms of you know generating content on the player-driven side of things. Uh, one remark that Rattati did make, which was kind of interesting, is that he he said you might at the end of a battle get the option of, uh, since you're fighting for a corporation, NPC corporation, do I want payment or do I want standing? So you can either get the ISK payout or you can pick to get the um, the standing payout instead to boost your standing with with that corporation. Kind of a almost like a IOU loyalty sort of deal. So that's another kind of idea to look at as well. Is that you know. If you're good on ISK, if you don't need to upgrade anything, or if you don't need to in the near future, you could instead choose to get a standing boost as well. So then would you use the standing for something like uh, faction suits or weapons? Well, you would potentially use it for like faction firmware, right? So you could do missions for LIDI instead of you know ever taking an ISK payment from them. You could say, I want LIDI uh standing instead and that might take the form of you know leveling up your standing rank or you might get loyalty points whatever the point is is that you're taking a a different kind of currency which might be useful somewhere else for you know buying consumables buying firmware that sort of thing so it it might be almost kind of a matter of you know what do you what do you need at the moment you need do you need standing do you need lp do you need firmware what do you want you know and you kind of negotiate your contract in that sort of way presumably the standing might be more valuable for for the limited category of that that uh that faction's items whereas you know the the currency the straight up isk is more universal but less potent in comparison exactly and that's a good way to look at it is that you can take the more liquid isk you can use it wherever you want but there's only so much you can do with it or you can dial into the very potent very specialized you know this this corporation only makes these sort of things uh, but you can get them if you have high standing with them. And so it, it, it kind of turns into this, you know, what do you need at the time or what are you looking for? If you're, if you're solid and you're happy with the suit you have and you've got all the modules you want and you're not necessarily looking to um, earn ISK because you don't intend to level anything else up and you don't have a need outside of upgrading for ISK, then you can choose to instead take, you know, uh, the, the LP payment instead. I think for me, the big question is if we know that, that ISK is used primarily for the upgrading process, but 
eventually you're going to probably run out of stuff to upgrade. So is there going to be other uses for it? You know, that sort of thing. Because, you know, if you have a large amount, and this is kind of probably going back to what Jay was talking about, if, if the risk reward for a match is I want to earn ISK because I did not spend much in the process, you kind of need to give players a constant reason to want to have ISK. Um, and I think that if it's tied exclusively to upgrading your suits or in your weapons, um, that might kind of not work in the long run. So I think as long as there's other avenues for, you know, you always kind of have this urge to have ISK um, that will work better. And I think that, that brings up a good question for players. You know, what is more important to me right now? Do I want ISK? Do I want standing? That sort of thing. Did that kind of answer your question, Jay, or did I, did I miss yeah, it? Yeah, no, it, it no, it absolutely did. It's, uh, I, I think it's one of those where, like any kind of game with a complex set of exchanges for kind of in-game economy, uh, adding an element of risk uh, often is a is a pretty cool game element. It, it's, it, it is also very difficult to manage. So I was just kind of curious about it, but I think that was a pretty good overview of sort of what he's working on. Um, did they cover any of this at E3? Was was this game did, did CCP have any kind of booth or anything like that going to D3 that you guys are aware of? Um, <laughs> no. They, they, no they actually, Spark was at E3, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they were at E3, yeah. but they were showing off Spark. So nothing on, on Nova, but they did show some pretty cool footage of that uh, that VR game that they're working on. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, what, you know, at, I, there's been like a couple dribs and drabs in the kind of public sphere in terms of... Uh, what are they doing with uh, Project Nova? Other than confirming they're still working on it, it's really hard to see. But we, you know, we do have some side channels that get some information from them, uh, which which is actually pretty cool. Uh, at least in terms of understanding how a game is getting developed at at that stage, and a little bit of the backstory on how they uh, on how they got to this point from an, from another game, from a previous game that didn't do so well, but they're trying to learn from it. But it's uh, I am kind of curious to see how this all kind of comes together because as usual they, they have like a lot of big ideas over at CCP and and you know some of them are you know very laudable but it's really hard to actually get them to get them to kind of work out in uh, in real time. So I'll be interested to see how this one comes out. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair, you know, and it's it's nice to at least kind of get into the headspace of kind of the direction they're going. Um, a lot of the conversation, if you kind of dig into what what was actually said, it's we're kind of doing this because we're avoiding this issue we had with dust, or we're doing this because it's like E, but we're changing this bit because you know that part doesn't doesn't really make sense for the context of the game. So in terms of you know headspace, it is a good indication of what they're thinking. Um, in terms of development, it's it's still pretty tough to say. I, I mean, you can kind of see if they're asking for feedback on specific things, you can kind of tell that's what they're working on currently. Um, but that's also kind of vague. So, you know, we, we do try to compile all of this. And if you are interested in in, in Nova, and, and we do get linked, a lot of other websites will actually link to our, our posts um, that are compiling all this information. So we're, you know, we're, we're probably going to be the best source for, for this sort of thing moving forward. And we do watch it pretty heavily. So, you know, it's, it, I'm looking forward to, to what they come up with and, you know, it, it may be great. It may be a flop, but, you know, I, I kind of decided for myself, I wanted to see this thing through until the end and, and you know, see what they come up with and give it a fair shot. So that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Yeah, and, and hopefully Ratati will be kind of be coming out of his cave again. Um, back in May 22nd, I think it was, they were kind of going into a sprint, which means they're going to be working kind of hardcore for a month, and then they, they come back out of the sprint to plan for the next one. Uh, so that's around this time. Uh, not sure if he'll 
come out of the cave out of the cave or not but uh you know if anything new does pop up we will definitely have it available on the website and you know check often we will keep updating all the posts and you can kind of see if any new information is available Alrighty, so one more thing before we kind of bring some for a close. We do our weekly game review. Uh, I know that Bates picked up an Xbox game this week to give it a shot, so we're going to have him review his thoughts on that one and uh, go from there. So, Bates, it looks like you played uh, Watch Dogs. What were your thoughts on that one? I am, yes, I am right in the middle of Watch Dogs, and I've had a blast with it. Um, just, just running around... Um, in, in Chicago, I mean, the, the map is a is a pretty good size. You can get everywhere. And it doesn't take it. It, it doesn't take in a, in a huge amount of time to get places, but it's also not like super quick as far as uh, travel time, which is nice. Um, the the driving is really slick. It feels really good. Um, uh, the the world itself actually is. It's very populated, which I think you kind of have a problem with uh, in these open world games, the lack of NPCs, but there's a lot of people in this game, uh, which is good, uh, especially with the kind of the idea that Ubisoft uh, was going for for this game, this series, if you're not aware, um, you you play as a hacker. Um, the, the story for the game doesn't really matter, it's really cheesy, but... All you need to know is you play as a hacker, and uh, you know you can use your phone to to kind of tap into um, people's lives. So you're walking down the sidewalk or something, and this is the coolest part to me. You you see a little bit about you know each person you pass by, their name, uh, their occupation, if they have one, how much they make, and just like an interesting little tidbit. Um, so it, it really does make the world. Uh, feel alive. Uh, now, with that said, I have noticed um, a couple of instances where certain certain tidbits have repeated, um, and so either either I'm walking by the same person again, um, or Ubisoft kind of skimmed on uh, on some of those things, which is fine. I mean, there's there's a there's a lot to just look at. Um, so you know, as you're walking by these people, you can you can hack most of them. Uh, and like read their text messages, uh, little text conversations that they're having, or listen on their phone calls. Or <laughs> I think the best part: you're walking by somebody, and you can hack into their bank account, and you can take their money in and claim it at an ATM to to use for your own nefarious uh, purposes. Which makes me feel it. It makes me feel bad, but it also feels really cool at the same time for some reason. Um, so that's really fun. Uh, it is a shooter, and the, 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 the gunplay is quite good, actually. Um, so, yeah, the, I, I guess the, the two things that I will kind of gripe about is the story is kind of predictable, and it's really cheesy. I think I'm about halfway through it right now, and I, can, I think I know where it's going. Um, and the multiplayer. I want to talk about the multiplayer for a second. So there's not really, like, co-op multiplayer or, like, a team deathmatch kind of thing going on. It's more like, and if I'm understanding it correctly, if you um, if you hack too much in the game, so if you interact with the world too much, and I don't know what too much is, um, it kind of tips off uh, other other real players, and they can accept contracts. 
when they accept content, you know, they're for various things. They're, they may be for, like, trying to steal your data, or um, I think that's the only one I've come across. Uh, and they, they invade your, your game. And so whatever you're doing, if you're in the middle of a story mission or a side mission, or you're just running around, they can invade at any time. And it's really fucking annoying because you get this big pop-up on the screen and it, it, you're forced to look at it. Like, it takes up a good part of the game screen. And it's like, you're being invaded by XXX420 Blazant XX. And it's like, eh, okay, I have to deal with this. And so, you know, you, you, you run around and you try to find the, the little the dude you're against and then you kill him or you get away from him or, or what have you. And if you don't, you lose, you lose like some sort of standing, which gives you uh, like in game their, their skills essentially. Um, so you, you no longer have access to, to, I, th I think they're P specifics, um, but they do come up quite often. And it's a little weird since the whole point of the game is to like hack shit. So it, that's really my only gripe. You can turn that off. <gasps> no. -uh. Yeah, it's optional. Oh shit! Really? How? You know? I, I, I there's I, got there's got to be like a, a settings I panel option for it. For I know. I know, uh, I know it's hold optional on. though. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I found. <gasps> yes, Zell, I fucking love you. Yes. All right. Cool. All right, I'm, this game is great. <laughs> turn off the multiplayer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's Watch Dogs. It's free. See, the inner Dark Soul player in me is going, uh, you're whining about invasions? Like, you, yes, should be the one doing the, you should be the one doing the invading. That's the proper no. way to play. No. No. Okay. Uh, okay, that's, that's, that's Watch Dogs. Um, sounds pretty legit. Uh, that one came out quite a while ago, I think. But uh, yeah, obviously, it's free. Um, I think Watch Dogs 2 is on Steam sale, I think we said. So, yeah, options out there. So next week, I will be reviewing uh, Killing Floor 2. That one is available for free on uh, PlayStation Plus if you're you know, on PS4. Uh, so I'll give, be giving that one a shot. I'm also going to be giving uh, Subnautica a try, um, which I'll explain in, in a little bit here. But uh, let's do shout-outs, unless you guys have anything else you want to cover real quick. Okay, so I guess shout-outs. Zell. No, I don't buddy. have one. I don't. Come on. Come I don't. On. I don't. You, I'm sorry. You're not going to even give praise to Lord Gavin? I gave praise to Lord Gavin in my introduction. But you could do it again. I'm, I'm trying to help you here, man. I don't know, man. There's only so much praising I can I can do. <sighs> and and you have to understand that Lord Gavin only wants praise in one form, and that's money. I'm sure you're going to buy something else in the store before the end of this thing, right? Yes. Okay, well, there, you can give praise then, so that's that's that'll be your shot, I guess, because you had an hour and 15 minutes to figure this out, and you failed us again. All right, Bate, you're up, man. Say, please, please save this. I, I actually do, and I had to write it down in case I would forget the specific. So my shout-out actually goes uh, to something that made me quite chuckle when I heard it. So there is an all-Asian-American band. Um, I think they're like dance rock. They're actually not bad. But they're called the, they're called the Slant. Um, and I heard this story, actually. You, yeah. you heard this story. So basically, they, they went to file for uh, some kind of... Uh, trademark, I assume for the name. Yeah, it was for the name. So they went to file for the for the uh, the band name. Well, I guess the patent and trademark uh, office denied them their their thing uh, because slants has is a um, like a racial slur for Asians that was used back in the day. Uh, well, they took it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled uh, eight nil uh, in their favor. 
So they have the thing now. Um, so that's really cool. And the name made me chuckle. Uh, and there are a couple of their albums. Um, uh, they have the, the Yellow album and uh, Slanted Eyes, Slanted Hearts. Second is a fantastic album. But shout out to the Slant. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Jay, you're up. Uh, in keeping with Bates' musically themed shout outs, I would like to give a shout out to uh, Glastonbury 2017. Uh, one of the better music festivals out there. It's it's kind of a cool gig. If you ever get a chance to travel and, and go to you know something like that, I would highly recommend it. Uh, it's a short hop over to the UK. It's pretty good. And uh, I, I do recommend it if you're on a business trip. Take a day, go see it. Uh, you can see pretty much any band that you can think of and see just about any type of uh, genre of music. If you, if you look hard enough, you'll find it there. But shout out to Glastonbury. So peace. All right, sounds good. And I've actually got two shout-outs. Um, okay, the first one's related to Subnautica. I, I was told that I have to actually say it like this, so please forgive me. I want to give thanks to Ripley Riley for getting me wet because he gifted me uh, the ocean survival game Subnautica on Steam in the middle of the show here. So um, thanks to Ripley for that one. Uh, it's, it looks pretty cool. I'm going to give that one a shot and, and review it next week. Uh, my other shout-out goes to uh, Bait because I just want everyone to know that a long time ago we had a joke about datesforbait.com in our attempts to get, you know, bait, bait to have, uh, to, to get a date. And, you know, and, and we were, we were really committed to this. And so Zell actually purchased, um, datesforbait.com. So that's D-A-T-E-S-F-O-R-B-A-I-T.com. Um, and that forwarded to a page on our biomass.com website. Well, I've been running analytics on the page and the dates for bait page is now the 10th most visited page on the entire website. So this is like above the podcast. This is above like dust stuff. Dates for bait is number 10. So keep that in mind guys, that if you go to datesforbait.com, you will be redirected to the official page, his dating profile on the Craigslist website. And you too can push his rating up from 10 to nine. We're going for top here. So datesforbait.com, shout out to bait. Make sure you go and give your love to uh, to the website. So, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put down my college application now. <laughs> Tenth most visited page on biomass.net. Yes. Okay. LinkedIn. All right. Um, but, yes, that's what we've got for today, guys. I want to thank you all for joining us. Um, once again, we are doing some gameplay stuff. I think actually this week we'll be finishing up posting the Resident Evil 7 stuff. We're going to be moving into Prey. Uh, that game is awesome, by the way. Like if you, it, it's it's really it's basically Bioshock in space, which is a, a good thing. I, I've been having a real fun time getting my ass kicked in it, so that's available on the Steam. So if you want to pick it up, but uh, once Resident Evil 7 is up, you will start seeing videos on YouTube and the website for uh, Prey. Really, really fun game. You should check that one out. But if there are any games you want us to play, uh, stream, record, whatever, do let us know. If you want us to talk about anything on the show, let us know. If you want to be on the show, let us know. All of the contact information is available on the website, biomass.com or biomass.net. So let us know. Um, that being said, guys, I want to thank you for joining us, and please have a safe night.